1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 430 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening. It is December the 3rd, and I'm joined, as I often am, by Scott Coleman. Scott is our first discussion on this podcast, at least by the two of us, in the month of December. It's a winter
2: Wonderland. How are you? Hey, Brad. I'm doing well. I hope everybody out there had a great Thanksgiving. I believe this is the first time that you and I have done one of these since the holiday. So happy, very belated Thanksgiving to everyone. And Yeah, the winter meetings are here early December, as we have outlined a couple of times. I think the flow of the baseball offseason is a little funny sometimes, but without any shadow of a doubt, the offseason really gets cranking during the week of the winter meetings. And there are quite a few things to jump into this week.
1: Yeah, I think the take that you've offered several times, we won't do the whole thing now about how um, it would be better in some ways for the sport if baseball's offseason kind of mirrored other offseasons and that stuff tends to happen in especially in the NBA but even in the NFL like when the bell rings um, for free agency and all that stuff. And, and baseball it doesn't really happen that way. And it would be kind of easier for everybody involved if it did. But the winter meetings kind of unofficially kick it off. And I know there's been some previewing of the winter meetings on our podcast feed. Uh, shouts to Sean and Steven and Chris for all kinds of great podcast content. And by the way, please subscribe to the show. It's not just Scott and I, we are here. And this is the uh, sort of the original flagship show, but we still have uh, many offerings on this podcast network for the price of zero dollars. But yeah, it's every the entire baseball community basically. Not everybody, but most people are in Nashville right now. I wish I could go. I wish I had a uh, a job where it would be easier for me to go to Nashville for a few days. I know Grant's there. I know all the all the beat guys are there. And it is what it is. And in fact, um, our rundown kind of changed today a little bit. In fact, I, I want to start here. Um, I'm sure that you did, but I will just ask you: Did you monitor the comments from Alex Anthopoulos on Sunday? They made some uh, made some waves because he, he he kind of kicked things off. By, by talking to the media this morning as we're recording this podcast, and uh, you know, not not anything that's like crazy crazy, but uh he was fairly candid by his standards.
2: Yeah, for his standards uh is, is a good way of saying it because Alex is a rock star at talking for like 10 minutes and not saying a single thing of substance. He is very, very good about just spewing words but never really showing his hand or anything. But he did acknowledge a couple of items. He even admitted they were in pretty heavily without saying who. Uh, they He admitted they were in pretty heavily on a big-name free agent, who, of course, they did not sign. Presumably, that was Aaron Nola. He talked pretty openly about Von Grissom and and the starting rotation and, and a few other items. So for Alex's standard, he did go out and say quite a few things today.
1: He did. I mean, uh, the big addition, I, I think it's, it's probably important to note that we don't know it's Aaron Nola, but I think everyone probably guessed it was likely to be Aaron Nola, considering the reporting around that. He's one of the only big free agents that's actually signed so far. He would have made sense of the Braves. I think that kind of logically does make sense, although obviously he didn't say that. I think the the one that got the most traction of his uh, sort of nuggets on this interview slash press conference was that he basically went on the record to say that they're not considering any of the homegrown players to be uh, sort of on the trade market. I'm going to read the quote to you now via Justin Toscano of the AJC. This is Alex talking about the uh, not basically not trading some guys. Quote, it's a waste of time. Sorry, waste of your time for anybody reading it. You can take it and you can light it on fire. Will not happen. Will not be considered. Will not be discussed. End quote. And a lot of people uh kind of tied this in as sort of a direct response without it being a direct response to some of the online speculation about Michael Harris and Ozzy Albies. I know Jeff Schultz wrote about those guys kind of not like putting them on the market, but like stuck floating the idea. They got a lot of, they got a lot of traction a few weeks ago. Uh, Alex, of course, did not talk about Jeff in particular, but it was very funny to kind of have him be, I'm sure it was probably said with a smile. We, we weren't there, but uh, this pr- pretty, pretty uh, definitive. And I don't always believe anything that front office guys say, but it's a lot harder to trade one of those guys when you make when when you kind of kind of put this kind of record on the on the table. He he was he was not really uh, shaky at all. This is pretty clear in terms of what he was saying about the guys who have been signed to long term extensions.
2: Yeah, spoiler, and I I honestly can't believe that Alex had to say this today. But uh, Michael Harris is not getting traded for a starting pitcher. I am amazed that it became. I mean, a pretty heavy talking point for a couple of days. And I know in the off season, we need things to talk about and uh, it's, you know, it's a well-known columnist out of the athletic and I get it, right? That, that's what makes columns interesting and talk radio and all of that. But very obviously you're not trading Michael Harris, who is one of the most valuable assets in all of baseball. I believe fan graphs in their annual player value series had Harris as a top 15 yeah. asset Yep, uh, maybe twelve or thirteen, if I remember right. And the only pitchers ahead of him, uh, I believe, uh, was uh, his own teammate Spencer Strider. So That's correct. <laughs> I, I don't think Michael Harris will be getting traded for Spencer Strider anytime soon. Uh, and and like Ozzy Albies, come on. So it was. Uh, I was a little surprised that Alex went out of his way to uh, shoot that notion down, even if there was a zero percent chance uh, to begin with. Uh, but nonetheless, it, you know, I guess it's worth saying that yes you you do have holes on this roster to varying degrees but none of the holes are at such a point where like you would even have to consider trading a core piece in order to fix it or you're going to struggle it really is kind of a a rich man's problem if you will and we'll see if they're able to add without having to subtract
1: yeah i mean you know, i i do think that it would be a little bit less crazy to trade Ozzy like I wouldn't think they're, they're going to do that and they're clearly not going to do that that is kind of in a different tier than Michael Harris who I think is like borderline untouchable um Ozzy at his you know obviously the, the deal was a complete heist um that would have made a little bit more sense but not really something that they would probably consider doing and Alex again was pretty definitive in this particular instance and look, they have money. They don't have to trade anybody that they have signed long term. People were kind of floating. Um, I think they were trying to like dunk on Alex today. At least some people, people that I saw online like bringing up William Contreras, him being traded last winter. But the key difference there, of course, is that Contreras was not signed long term. Um, he he was a prospect and a very you know accomplished one, and certainly one with a lot of upside. And he was good this year um, elsewhere. But like he was not signed to it ex- to an extension, and that's what the guys that's the guys that Alex was talking about, which basically all of your best players. In a lot of ways here, it's it's Strider on the pitching side and then it's uh, essentially everyone on the position player side, which is kind of funny to say out loud. But they basically have everyone signed. So it is what it is. And uh, not a huge surprise, but certainly noteworthy. Nonetheless, Um, you you talked about this a second ago, but uh, he was pretty candid about Von Grissom as well, talking about how they were going to at least look at Vaughn playing some outfield during winter ball in Puerto Rico in the coming weeks. And it seems like, from what I read uh, about Alex's comments today, I don't know what you saw as well, you know, basically, I'm not sure if he went as far as to, like, frame it this way, but, you know, everyone kind of knows the deal. They don't ha- They don't have a left fielder on the roster. Um, Alex mentioned Forrest Wall. Uh, all respect to Forrest Wall. Forrest Wall is a fourth outfielder specialist type who can be valuable but is not, I don't think, a candidate to play real starting time without injuries no. in the field. So. Yes. It, it kind of has to be Vaughn, but the fact that, you know, we talked about this for a long time. I'm, I've been saying get Vaughn Grissom a left field glove for a year and a half, but I think this is the first extended time where Alex has been like kind of on the record, like, look, they're going to look, they're going to at least get a look at Vaughn Grissom in left field. This reminds me before I move on, I have to say this, and we talked about this, I think, last week or two weeks ago on the show, you and I. There is a little bit of everything that Alex says that should be, you should at least consider that he is trying to keep his leverage with negotiations elsewhere, he's not ever going to come out and say, we are going to trade for a left fielder, or we are going to sign a starting pitcher. He's never going to do that because he doesn't want to get raked over the coals by agents. So you have to balance that a little bit, but my read is that like, they're at least going to give Vaughn a, a chance in left field if they need to, like they might make another move to fill that spot and then we'll see. But like, you know, the the old uh, standby of if the season started today kind of thing, he would probably have to be the left fielder, but you know, it is what it is.
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's funny that the Braves signed Ronaldo Lopez and the group chat text went out from Alex (laughs) to all the reporters. Immediately, yeah. Hey, guys, uh, we might look at Ronaldo Lopez as a starting pitcher next year. Um, Sure. I mean, technically, sure, maybe. Maybe they try him in like an opener role or something. But very clearly, that was Alex or one of his front front office buddies sending out the group chat to all of the reporters at the same time just to keep their leverage, right? If if it was similar to what we talked about when the Braves signed Charlie Morton. If the Braves did not pick up Morton's option, they were really going to have a need for probably two starting pitchers and agents know that, other teams know that, right? It's the desperation level. So, naturally, you want to be in the best position possible to bargain and to go back and forth on contract negotiations, what prospects are going to be in deals. Um, So all of that checks out, and you know, I'm I am curious. I'm genuinely curious to see how Vaughn is going to do in left field on a regular basis, because and Alex said as much today. But I think we all pretty we all feel pretty strongly that Vaughn Grissom is a major league hitter today. I'm confident with his numbers. He had like in a thousand OPS in AAA. There's really nothing left for him in the minors on the offensive side that he needs to prove. I think he's going to be a a well-rounded, versatile hitter. Uh, Alex threw out a DJ LeMahieu comparison, which, I mean, uh, that would be tremendous, right? DJ LeMahieu was a really good baseball player for years, um, kind of in that similar mold, a guy who can move around. He also mentioned Howie Kendrick by name, who was a really good hitter. So yes, I think uh, it, it makes sense to at least give Vaughn some reps in left field, I still ultimately believe that he is going to be elsewhere on opening day as part of the key piece in a trade package, but you you do have to prepare for the possibility that maybe they don't want to go three or four years in order to sign one of the left field free agent options. Maybe they don't want to unload the handful of prospects who are any good in their system in a trade and really just deplete everything down. Uh, it's options. I, I don't necessarily believe Alex when uh, <laughs> he says they would be happy to roll on opening day with a guy who's never played shortstop or never played well, never played shortstop, never played left field on a regular basis in the major leagues. But I mean, Vaughn is a he's a good athlete. He's young. Presumably, he has an arm that could handle left field and, and have the speed and and reaction. So we will see. Very interesting. It kind of feels like to me, while all of the attention has been focused on the starting rotation and the possible pursuit of a pitcher left field is still a pretty open spot and it it certainly needs to be addressed one way or the other.
1: I agree. I I do think that in general, and I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, but I I feel like left field is just easier to fill and they kind of know that, you know what I mean? Especially with this lineup, the way it is, if they, if they needed to go like low ceiling platoon in left field, they could do that for fairly cheap. Whereas, like, just because, like, I know everyone has this vision and it's it's fun to consider of the Braves just having literally an all-star in every position, which they kind of do at most spots. But right now they have a spot and a half where they don't have a star. Like, shortstop, obviously, is not a star position, but RCA was pretty good this year. Um, and left field is just a zero at right this moment in time. But um, I think that Alex probably understands that if they needed to kind of go low ceiling, they could do that in left field on the cheap. Um, so that's probably why it's not been a huge discussion point. And look, I don't, I don't know what Vaughn would be defensively in left field. Um, and neither does anybody at this point. My whole spiel has basically been a lot of left fielders are not good defenders. (laughs) It's a very low impact defensive position. Um, and the guy has been a middle infielder for his entire minor league career. Um, I I think that obviously there's a lot, there's just less pressure playing left field. And not, not everybody can do it, but most guys can fake it out there if they are decent enough athletes, like you kind of mentioned and there's a whole discussion to be had, which we will not do now, about like how good of a hitter Vaughn Grissom is going to be if he's a full time non middle infielder. Like that's actually an interesting discussion that we will maybe have if we need to have it. Um, but I agree with you in general that he's going to be a major league hitter. He already has shown to be that in a small sample size. So uh, if he has to play left field every day, that isn't a great option, I don't think, even as someone who's been arguing on behalf of trying it for a long time. But it is an option that is like not just completely ridiculous. Um, that's kind of the way I frame it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I generally agree. And you know, we outlined earlier this offseason some of the options for left field, uh, predominantly free agents, but you could also make a trade, right? And um, you're right. I mean, there is the Braves are in a fortunate position where if they don't go out and make a big time impact left field addition, they're going to be fine. I mean, they they just broke a bunch of offensive records with very hot and cold Eddie Rosario and an occasional Kevin Pillar filling in in left field. And the lineup was unbelievably good, right? So it's not like they're trying to replace a, a Freddie Freeman or a Ronda Cunha jr. Type bat in the middle of the order. It's like, man, you, you start doing the imaginary lineups. You go, wow, who's hitting six tonight. This is bad. It, it's nowhere near that level. You're really just looking for someone to fill out the back end of the lineup. And at the same time, if you can add an impact bat or a power bat or whatever it may be, then all the better. It lengthens out the lineup. It, it just protects you from cold spells. If if a couple guys aren't hitting, guess what? The bottom of the order is really going that well that night. Uh, it's just uh, it, it's an interesting situation that's going to have to play out here over the next couple of weeks and maybe even months.
1: This is not a fail safe, and we'll probably come back to it in another context on this podcast, but. Fangraphs keeps a, you know, a running active updated depth chart projection um, that's broken down by position and then by like by full groups in the offseason. And it includes, you know, holes. So there's a whole free agent group that people just like, you know, just, just remove those guys. But at this very moment. With Vaughn Grissom actually as pro- projected as the primary left fielder with a very, very modest projection for Vaughn Grissom, the Braves have um pretty like a pretty big gap as far as, as and they are number one by a lot in position player projected war right now. That isn't a huge surprise when they're lo- as, loaded as, as loaded as they are. But to your point, that's with a fairly middling shortstop and a left fielder that's never played left field before. And they're in st- and a, and a DH that has a weird projection because Marcel's been so all, all over the place for the last three seasons and they're still number one with a bullet by a lot. So yeah, there's some flexibility there. I think Alex probably knows that deep down inside um, the last thing that alex talked about that it really is not newsworthy a ton anyway but just kind of worth noting that he said it he talked about wanting to have 10 or 11 guys that can make starts this year if they needed to and that's something that makes sense to us i think because we talk about it all the time i'm sure that some fans are like wait 10 or 11 guys is so that's, that's so many guys but look over the course of a 162 162 game uh game season that stuff happens like you may not need them all but you get an injury or two and that could cycle and your minor league guys don't pitch well or whatever else and and right now, I kind of counted it up. The guys he kind of mentioned there's a clear four with Fry, with, with, sorry, with Freed, Strider, Morton, and Elder. Um, your your guy, Ren- Ronaldo Lopez, who he's always mentioned is an option. That's five. Then you have the young guys, be it Smith Shaver, be it uh, Waldrip, You have Vines, you have Winans, you have Dodd, you have um, Enoa coming back from injury. That's 11 right there. And then he talked about Ian Anderson projecting to be back in June. And look, Scott, I don't know about you. My expectations for Ian Anderson at this point could not be lower. But it, it's a guy that has been a part of their you know key pieces list for a long time in various capacities. And he'll be healthy in a couple of months. Um, and that that's something to at least keep in mind. So that's that's 12 guys that Alex na- willfully named. Do I believe that that's the 12 they're going to roll with? Probably not. But he did kind of, uh, I think, stress the depth. And it's something that I'm probably guilty of, too kind of maybe overlooking sometimes like there is something to be said for having, you know, let's just say seven through 11 in your rotation be non-disastrous. And while guys like Vines and, you know, and Wynans and Dodd are certainly not exciting to me, they are probably better than a lot of organizations, eight, nine, 10 guys, which matters.
2: Sure. Yeah. And we can say with a pretty high level of certainty that, At least a handful of those names you just listed off are going to make starts for the Braves at some point in 2024. Yes. And they might end up being pretty important starts. We know, I mean, sure, if you're telling me next season that they are going to get 90 starts out of Max Freed, Spencer Strider, and Charlie Morton, tremendous, awesome. We would take that a million times out of 10. Uh, But guys get hurt. Pitchers get injured. Um, pitchers also can use a breather in order to stay healthy and stay fresh over the course of a full year. So, um, you know, it's, it's one item I wanted to mention on top of just the depth here in the organization is, is starting rotation options. That's also the beauty of having a really deep bullpen and Ronaldo Lopez probably figures into this conversation quite a bit here. You now he is someone who can cover multiple innings, um, you know, that's something I think is really valuable when you have a versatile and deep bullpen. You, know, you can cover up starts. Let's say it's a big game against Philly or New York or Miami, and you have to give the ball to a Darius Vines who, sure, maybe you don't feel great about it, but if he can cover four or five innings, you can hand the, the ball to the bullpen. And if you have as good of a bullpen as everyone expects the Braves to have, it's a way to kind of cover up some of what you might have in terms of shortfalls with depth. Uh, Every single team in baseball is looking for five rock-solid starting pitchers, and they're not going to have to worry about them. But the fact is that that just very, very rarely happens. The Braves in recent years have really tapped into that AAA and organizational depth to cover the season, and they're not alone. Um, Sure, there might be a team or two who's been blessed with very healthy starting pitchers, but more times than not, if you feel good about your depth come April or May – Give it a couple months, and all of a sudden you have a couple guys with nagging injuries, or you know just aren't pitching well, and you want to give them a breather. It's it's very difficult to keep your full rotation healthy, and I think that's really why I feel so strongly that while they maybe don't absolutely have to add a starting pitcher, it would really behoove the front office to add a legitimate starter to round out this rotation. Because the fact is, you you know you don't, you can't predict anything, right? Max Freed didn't pitch all that much last year. Spencer Strider made 30 plus starts through 200 innings between regular season and playoffs. You know, who knows? Let's hope that Spencer's healthy, but anyone can get hurt. Charlie Morton is 40 years old. Bryce Elder has his limitations. So I think that's why I am so in favor, even if it is just kind of a, uh, you know, a, a, a bonus, a benefit, not a necessity of adding somebody into that rotation mix who you feel really good about.
1: We are on the same page there, and I'll put a pin in that now as we'll come back to it at the end of the podcast with an interesting mailbag question that we got from a listener. But before we do all of that, it hey, we from our sponsors on today's podcast.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future and right now hits the best price of the year at $29 go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29 that's s-y-l-v-a-n-29.com
1: scott for as interesting as Alex alexanthopoulos was on sunday There are other things to discuss briefly on this episode before we get out of here. One of them is the name of Dylan Cease. So I know Sean's talked about, I know Steve and Chris talked about, but we have not on this podcast yet. And multiple reporters have talked about Brave's interest in Dylan Cease. And look, I I get that there's the Anthopolis side of things where he doesn't really leak things, but on occasion, deals get foreshadowed and perhaps he might be among them. Uh, And also Ken Rosenthal, who is uh, certainly credible, reported Saturday night That uh, At least in his retelling of it, that Cease, quote, looks like a perfect candidate for an Alex Anthopoulos acquire and sign special, end quote. He did acknowledge, though, that Cease is a Scott Boris uh, client. If you're not familiar with Scott Boris, I will do the short version and just say he does not love to do extensions. Some guys do, because look, at the end of the day, the player is going to drive things. Um, Boris will do an extension if the player says do an extension. But all things equal... Boris will like to hit for agency most of the time and currently which I thought was I thought was pretty funny the the Braves currently have zero Scott Boris clients on their roster which could just be noise but it's something that's kind of notable so before we dive into like Dylan Cease the player which is at least interesting because he's been talked about so much um, what do you make of all of kind of the but like nothing flat out as far as like the Braves are the leaders for Dylan Cease but there, it's multiple reporters. It's it's Rosenthal. It was you know some lesser guys. You know your Morosi's, your Hammonds or whatever. But there's a little bit of legitimate buzz here. Although it's not just the Braves. It's a lot of other, a lot of teams for sure.
2: Yeah, um, it is easy to connect the dots between the Braves and Dylan Cease. He is a virtual lock to get traded. The White Sox need a rebuild. The Braves are looking for starting pitching. But at the same time, I think probably half of the teams in the league have probably called the White Sox about Cease. And for good reason. I mean, he's he is very talented. He's 28 years old. He's durable. He was second in Cy Young voting a year ago. And for the Braves, uh, Ken Rosenthal talked about him being a perfect acquire and sign special, a long term deal. He's a local kid from Milton, Georgia. Um, and naturally, it, he'd be another great core piece to add to the mix. And even if they couldn't sign him to a long term deal, You do get him for two years of control and pretty cheap control at that through arbitration. So, I am sure the Braves have had conversations with the new general manager for the White Sox. I am sure other teams who might have a little more depth in the farm system are also having those same conversations. Uh, But nonetheless, if if you're telling me you could add a high impact starting pitcher like Dylan Sees, man, it, it would be tough to say no, even if you have to overpay a little bit in prospect capital.
1: Yeah, and that's that's an important thing to throw it out there because it's not going to be a situation where the Braves get some huge bargain on Dylan Cease. I don't think that there's going to be there's too much of a market for him right now. You know, on on the one hand, you, that you just talked about, he's going he's probably going to be traded somewhere. So the internal leverage is not there, but they're going to there are multiple suitors for him. So I, I I would be shocked if it was like some bargain basement return that they get for Dylan Cease. Um, the fact that he's from Atlanta certainly is interesting. The Braves have a record of kind of targeting guys who are from the area, not always, but it does happen on pretty regular occasion. Um, He's still fairly young. He's 20, he'll be 28 this winter. Um, He's a right-hander. Of course, <clears throat> had a breakout year two years ago in 2021 and was uh, quite good in 2022. This last year, he was not as good as the went up some unlucky stuff for sure there, but he was not quite as good. Um, I'm going to let you talk about the defense of Chicago. Cause you might've known about that, Um, but he's been durable, and uh, crucially, he has two years left of control. So you could reasonably trade for Dylan Cease, give up a pretty significant package, and it's not the end of the world if he leaves in free agency because it's two years. If, it's, if he was a pure rental, it would be kind of tough to pay that kind of capital with no ass- assurance of him sticking around. But with two years and with where the Braves are, um, where they're obviously trying to win the World Series every year, they're kind of pushed in right now. Um, getting two full seasons, two full playoffs, et cetera, of him um, at a pretty cheap cost on a per year basis. Um, it does make sense to pursue him, even if you are under the impression from Boris or whoever that he's not even open to extension talks. It's still, it's like you had, you would just cross him off, if that makes sense. Like he still would be a, a worthy target even without the extension.
2: For sure. And, you know, I think maybe I'm guilty of it two, but I think you hear, oh, only two years. It's not that long. But two full seasons and potentially two full postseasons is quite a bit in baseball world, especially for starting pitchers, where you can think the world of someone, but you just can't predict what their health is going to do, especially, right? Guys break down, shoulder problems, elbow problems. You just don't know. So having two years of C's as the Braves are, I think even Actually, I believe so. Today, as of today, the Braves are still the uh, betting favorites to win the World Series. They are projected for the most wins, right? So, you're talking about a real luxury if you could add a starting pitcher like Dylan Sees to this rotation. Um, You know, talking about the player a little bit, I know, uh, man, we got to stop looking at ERA. Like, (laughs) as a baseball community, we have to stop looking at ERA to evaluate. Pictures, especially well, you, when you're you trying can, to, you figure can out. look at
1: it. You can look at it. It just shouldn't be all you look at. That, that's my thing. Like it could be part sure. of the calculus, but man, uh, I know Stephen did the rant. We did a little bit. I tried not to do the entire thing with Blake Snell, but I mean, there are. It's for some reason we're going back. We're going back ten years in like a year where it's like ERA is like the dominant stat again, and I, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I I guess I do know why, but it doesn't. You have we have to be a little bit deeper. <laughs> Just a little bit, just a little bit. When,
2: when you're evaluating the performance from a prior year, again, right? Like if you're yes. if you're award voting, if you're evaluating players for an award, of course you can look at ERA because that is how they performed. But when you're trying to look ahead to the the future and project out the next two years, there is so much noise that comes in ERA with. Things like batting average on balls in play and what kind of defense is being played behind you. Here's a fun number I looked up. So Dylan Seas in 2022 had a 2.2 ERA, which was good for second in the American League in Cy Young voting. This past season, it went up to 4.58, which is pretty high. Okay, so four point five eight. So when these John Morosi reports went out that the Braves are talking about seas, there was very naturally a lot of well, this guy isn't that good. He has a four point six ERA. But but the uh, Chicago White Sox as a team were negative fifty nine in defensive <laughs> runs saved last season. That is the second worst number across all of Major League Baseball over the last three years combined. Um, only the Oakland Athletics were worse. Um, so when you have an atrocious defense behind you, guess what? R- more runs are going to score. Um, th- there's just a lot of noise. There's some bad luck. And to be clear, Dylan sees is not a perfect pitcher. He's not, right? Like there was a little bit of a drop in velocity. His hard hit rate went up a bit. So he is not prime Pedro Martinez or prime Randy Johnson. But you have to take into consideration the environment the White Sox were so bad last year, both on and off the field. And if you just look at a guy and go, wow, a 4.6 ERA, he's not going to help the Braves. You really do. It's it's worth learning about some of the more advanced numbers. And maybe I'm picking on a straw man here. But you know you, there there are so many better ways to evaluate players than some of the very traditional metrics that people tend to look at.
1: Yeah, and uh, I agree with all of that. I, I don't think that he is – He's look, well, he's not as good as – Strider and Freed. Like, he's not as good as Aranola. The Braves, I think, were in on Aranola, and Cease is not as good as Aaronola, but um, he would be right there with Morton. And if either Dylan Cease or Charlie Morton is your fourth starter, you are in a great place, would be what I would say. Uh, right now, Morton is your third starter in a lot of ways, and it is what it is. Um, but if you push everybody down a little bit, that would be uh, a great situation. And we'll do more on him if the Braves actually make the trade, but I won't, because, because they've been so heavily tied to Dylan Cease in public so far. I thought we, we should we talk about him. And again, the tie to being local does matter. And uh, if he's traded on Monday, it won't surprise me if it's to the Braves or to anybody else, but um, tis the season. It's winter meetings and uh, stuff's going to be happening fast and furious. We should at least stick one second, by the way, while we're here on the pitching side to uh, mostly just lament that Sonny Gray will once again evade you, Scott. You've been in pursuit of Sonny Gray for years and years and years, and uh, he signed with the Cardinals. And uh, I wonder if the Braves were in to the end, but he signed for three for 75. That's like a reasonable deal for him. Um, Before I ask you if the Braves should have matched that deal, if they had a chance to, um, I just want to give you the opportunity to uh, weep on the
2: air. Well, there's always 2027 (laughs) to bring Sonny to Atlanta. Uh, Maybe not next year, the year after, or even the year after that, but Four years from now, he'll he'll be
1: 37 at the end of the deal. Uh, sure. I mean, they have that. Listen, just look at just look look at one Charles Morton for evidence of uh the potential to be effective into your late 30s.
2: That's right. I mean, get Sonny Gray a World Series in 2028 with the Braves. Heard it here first. (laughs) A virtual lock. Um, yeah, you know, it's man, three years for Sonny Gray is not bad, it's really not. Um, you know, twenty-five million dollars a year is not cheap. Although with today's pitching landscape, I mean, Luis Severino got thirteen million dollars a year with oh, incentives. I'm so glad you brought next. this up. Uh, yeah.
1: Did you have the same reaction I did to the Severino deal, which was to kind of make fun of people making people being upset about Morton getting twenty million dollars? Because that, that was my reaction. Yes. <laughs> I was like, hey, I yes. uh, remember when the Braves signed Morton for twenty million. People really were really mad about that. Look at who's get th- look who's getting thirteen million. Guys who oh, yeah. basically
2: can't I, pitch. <laughs> I can't believe, I mean, I can, but it, and man, the Mets just, they have a new front office and I mean, Luis Severino, um, maybe they think they can fix him. He was once very good once upon a time, but you're right. I mean, Charlie Morton for 20 million or, or Luis Severino for 13. Charlie's looking like, better
1: every day. I'll say that Well, yeah. he, he might be cooked at 40. There's, there's obviously a chance of that, but if you look at the market,
2: um, every
1: day that deal looks a little bit better.
2: I'll yeah. just, that's all, that's my yeah. only point I'll make. And there's an element of risk and uncertainty with basically every free agent, right? Yes. Um, <clears throat> You know, it's, it's an interesting question. Should the Braves have matched that deal if they had the chance? I think my cop-out answer would be get back to me in two and a half months. And we'll see what else they do with the rotation. That that is definitely cop out answer, Scott. That's that's it like is. not even.
1: That's like something. That's like an answer I would give.
2: That's, that's one of those complete <laughs> complete hedges that I would give on the air. Non-committal. Yes. Um, I I would say I'll say this: if the Braves announced the deal, if if he signed with Atlanta instead of St. Louis for three years and seventy five million, uh, it also would have cost two draft picks as well, which is a probably a consideration here. I, I still would have been totally cool with it. I would have been yeah. happy. You look at a big four of Freed, Strider, Gray, Morton with Bryce Elder as your fifth. I mean that that's a very very good rotation when it's healthy, and uh, but yeah, ultimately he's he's going to go pitch with the Cardinals who are just completely overhauling their rotation, which is kind of interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, alas, the Sunny Gray deal. <laughs> dream is dead for like the fifth time on this podcast, but there's, there is always 2027.
1: Yeah. Tough scene. Um, That's kind of it in terms of news. Again, winter meetings began technically today on the 3rd of December, they run through the middle of the week. Um, I, I saw you asking and I, I, I saw our, uh, our friend Brando on Twitter pointed this out. It's been like a, like a pretty hilariously quiet week. Usually for Anthopolis, he's not a winter meetings guy. Historically, which I know Chris and Steve talked about on their podcast recently too, but that doesn't mean you couldn't make a deal now. There's just MLB events happening, like the Rule 5 is this week, the, lot- the draft lottery, which doesn't really involve the Braves, but all that stuff is happening. Um, there was a report today that Otani is, quote, likely to decide on a team this week. I don't know if I buy that, but it was reported, so there's that. Um, the Braves made a couple of non-guaranteed deals for pitchers, Jackson Stevens, because he just cannot be anywhere else. And by the way, I'm fine with that. Jackson Stevens is like a great, like super extra arm to have. It's saw him do a, to a non-guaranteed split deal. And Penn Murphy, who they recently uh, uh, acquired and then non-tendered, he's hurt right now. But another guy who has some upside that they're signing to a non-guaranteed deal. I have no reaction to that other than like, okay, Not, non-guaranteed deals in December. It's like, okay, more guys for, for spring training and in Murphy's case for later on.
2: Yeah, I like Jackson Stevens. Me too. He he's just I mean he seems like a good dude and he has some versatility with his arm. He can cover multiple innings. He is not a great reliever by any means, but you know if he is the seventh or eighth guy in your bullpen mix, I'll, I'll take that. It's a split contract, so he can be in Gwinnett as well, which the Braves obviously value. Uh, Penn Murphy has some really good stuff. I mean his his strikeout numbers are strong. He is injured, so he's likely going to begin the year on the injured list. Maybe they get him back at some point in the summer or in the fall. We'll see. Um, And yeah, I mean, the winter meetings, while historically there's been some massive deals that have gone down, it's been pretty quiet under Alex Anthopoulos. It's not to say that he's not working. He is, to be clear. I mean, There have been deals the Braves have done a day or two or three after the meetings have officially ended. I'm sure they do a lot of groundwork, a lot of background work getting Intel on, you know, prospects or players or whatever it may be. Uh, But even Alex has said publicly, it's tough to get deals done because there is so much going on. It is not just, I mean, it'd be kind of funny if like at noon on Monday, they just locked all of 30 GMs into one big conference room and locked the door and put snacks out. And Well, it kind of
1: used to be that, you know, like the thing is, and I I think Chris talked about this too, because we're a little bit older. Um, Pre, you know, peak internet, you know, a lot of deals happened there because, you know, these yeah. guys weren't talking as much. It, it wasn't as easy to do trade calls and, you know, Zoom meetings and all this stuff. Like, it, not that deals didn't happen outside of the winter meetings, but it actually it really was it used to be much more of a working meeting in a lot of ways. Sure. where Like guys yeah. actually had to do all their work there. Mm-hmm. Now it's much more of a spectacle. All the media is there um you know everything that goes into it and it's useful for us i mean people that not just not, not just us as people that cover the team but for, for fans they get to hear from alex more um all the beat writers are there like such it's it's a content event in a lot of ways now whereas it used yeah. to be more of a working yeah. event um but deals will still happen i mean boris will do his state of the union he always does i don't know if you love that as much as, ever, as, as, much as i do but it's always hilarious when he talks um yeah. it'll all happen this way And it is but yeah if you if i was bet i don't know about you um Putting our podcast jinx aside, because we all, we have a record of spurring action from Alex. If you don't factor that in, I would usually guess that he doesn't really do anything big in the next few days. That's, that's my guess. But who who, who who could say?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's if he doesn't do anything, I promise. I know it's natural. Everyone is anxious. <laughs> they want deals to get done. It's December uh, 3rd, everybody. It's December yeah. 3rd. It's fine. Every, every, a lot of every, off season brief. for better and for worse. It's the way kind of the baseball off season goes. Probably more for worse than for better. This is,
1: listen, this is every, Scott, every year we do this because Alex will make a move or two in November and everybody's like, all right, we're ramping up. And then he won't do anything for two months.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And we get I, the... I, I, <laughs> I get it too. We talked about it earlier. I, I teach you up earlier about it, but I mean, it it is still, as much as it doesn't feel like it, it's still incredibly early in the off season. Like, yeah. a, there's a long way to go, man. And like, other than Aaron Nola, nobody signed. All the big guys are out there. I mean, not that they're going to yeah. probably sign Otani, but like a lot of people are probably waiting for Otani. That's just what happens.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, you know we talked about Dylan C's. Um, I believe his name is Chris Getz, who is the new GM of the White Sox. Even he came out and said that they might wait and see where the big name free agent signed before they really ramp up C's trade decisions. Because sure. guess what, man? If, if teams miss out on some of these good starters that they only become that much more desperate. And um you know I think there was someone on Twitter I forget who uh, a baseball writer proposed that at the end of the winter meetings a hypothetical 1 month lockout on transactions and just how much that <laughs> might push front offices to make moves not even just this week but before you know if let's say December 7th was a hard freeze on transactions for the next month You know, wouldn't that be fun, like as a way to just generate early offseason activity? You're right, man. I mean, we're going to get a couple of deals over the next few days, maybe a trade. Um, But other than Nola and Gray and a couple of lesser, I mean, a couple of relievers have signed. I mean, the Cardinals signed Lance Lynn. Um, You know, there just hasn't been a ton of free agent activity. But you're right. Technically, the offseason is like three weeks old. There is no external force pushing front offices to do anything right now. And that's why it's just kind of this glacial defree, you know, like like (laughs) watching an ice cube melt is uh, probably the best way to describe it because there is no reason for these teams to commit on by the first week of December.
1: Yeah. And this is maybe a different conversation for another day, but I can see both sides like So obviously, people probably know this. I I cover the NBA a lot. I cover the Atlanta Hawks quite a bit. Um, And there are pros and cons because in the NBA, 95% of the business happens in the first like two weeks of free agency. And then you have to cover and I'll just say for for us as a podcast, it would be harder if you had to fill from December 10th until February 20th and you know nothing's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like it's actually very, it's very hard covering the NBA when you know, you got to get from like the middle of July until the middle of October with very little happening. (laughs) It's hard. Um, But on the other side, it's almost easier because you can plan like, you know, for fans, it's a little bit less of a concern, but people would probably like to know when they have to pay attention. Like this is a big week in some respects, but yeah, I'm actually intrigued by the, uh, by the freeze. I don't know when I want it to be, but maybe around the holiday makes sense like some were like just to hey also it's the dual purpose of like letting the assistant gm go home and not you know have zero sleep for two for months and months yeah, and months probably be able to actually have christmas with your family something like that yeah. would be cool
2: um i don't know yeah just, i know uh just to give folks an idea of how i know mark bowman once said and this was going back a prior uh, front office but you know alex Anthopoulos was working on the deal, like late on Thanksgiving night or late on Christmas Eve night or something like that. And the offices were going to be closed the next few days. And he was pushing like hell in order to get the deal done. And it's like, dude, hang up the phone, you know, go go spend time with your friends (laughs) and your family and enjoy, you know, have a drink and, you know, all that. And you don't, if you don't get this deal done tonight, it's likely not going to, you know, change the fate of the world series next year.
1: Yeah, you would think so, but hey, that's the, there's a reason he why these guys also, are who they are. Like,
2: yeah, he was also like clinically insane, so maybe maybe he <laughs> was a special case.
1: Copy. Um, all right, let's do one mailbag question before we got here that we kind of teased earlier, and I think I think it's interesting because of what we talked about, but um, it came from John, who says, "How bad or good would the Braves rotation be if they just went with what they have now with Freed, Strider, Morton, Elder, Lopez?" And the young guys, that's the question from John. So before I give it to you, I found this today in response to this question. And I'm a little bit skeptical of it, but I think it's also a good indication. Fangraph's depth chart, which I brought up before, currently, and they, they only take into account guys who are signed. So there's lots of free agents. That's why there's a lot of wiggle room here. The Braves are currently number two in the majors in Fangraph's projection of starting pitchers. Only behind the Phillies, post-NOLA resigning. And that only includes 18 innings for Lopez, who they are largely projecting as a reliever. So that's actually just projecting mostly the big three starters, Elder and the rest. That seems high to me, Scott. I don't know about you, but it is also an indication that perhaps we are collectively undervaluing how kind of okay to good they already are as a rotation. So what do you think of that in this question?
2: Yeah, it caught me by surprise. A little bit. I mean, number two among locked in rotations. It feels hot to me, Scott. I gotta be honest
1: with you. <laughs> but hey, uh, look, uh, we talked about it before we started recording. It is also kind of hard for me to tell you definitively a bunch of teams that are better. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, I, I yep. think I think Philly with Nola. Okay, I get that, and they're number one. But I briefly looked at some of the other ones. Like, there are some impressive rotations, but there are not like. 15 teams that are better in better shape by any means. I mean, I, I yeah. kind of don't buy number two, but if they were fifth, I'd be like, okay, that kind of makes sense.
2: Yeah, for sure. And you know, it helps when you have two of the best starting pitchers on planet earth. Yes. Like Strider and freed, um, believe it or not for the, the war community and the people who nerd out over projections like I do. Uh, Spencer Strider is the highest projected war of any pitcher next season. At 4.9, Max Fried is 14th on that list. Um, Charlie Morton and Bryce Elder are, of course, farther down. But you know, again, if if we listen to 30 team podcasts, one podcast for every team, I mean, how many how many hosts would come on and go, man, the starting rotation, this is great, we're locked in. I mean, maybe the Phillies, maybe the Mariners, um, maybe Tampa Bay, but they're probably going to trade some guys away. I mean, even some of the best rosters, one through 26, have big-time questions in the rotation. Um, so, you know, I, I think I'm in agreement. I don't necessarily buy that it's the number two rotation in the major leagues based on where we are in early December. But it is a, a real asset to have, I mean, quite obviously, two pitchers as good as Spencer and Max. It just covers up. If you can get a full season out of those two guys – It's like hard to envision the Braves not being very, very good if they get healthy seasons out of those two pitchers.
1: Yeah, and I pulled this actually in response to something that Grant McCauley, our friend, um, he got some silly feedback and went and pulled some numbers about Strider. and It sort of had to do with a list that Strider was left off of that was pretty crazy. But since the moment Strider made his first start in the big leagues, which was June 30th of 2022, He is number two in all of baseball among pitchers in Fangraphs War. So I don't know if that's that's not gospel, but I think it's very reasonable to believe that Strider has been a top five starting pitcher on the planet since he started being a starting pitcher in the major leagues. That's a year and a half. Now, it's not it's not six years. It's a year and a half. But conservatively, he'd be a top 10 pitcher in baseball. I think that's a pretty safe thing to say out loud. And And then he
2: he came out of nowhere, Brad. That blows my mind. I mean, he was a fourth-round pick. He had the injury in college. I mean, this was not a mega prospect who everyone was looking at for three years. It's just Spencer Strider appreciation moment of the podcast, I guess. Um, this this doesn't happen, right? Yeah. Like I know we've been incredibly spoiled as Braves fans really for the better part of 30-plus years now with some of the pitchers who have come through. But getting fourth-round college arms that had surgery and had some real questions, I mean, this is... Not normal. And my God, what a find Strider has been.
1: Yeah. And to back you up even further about, you know, just the the potency of having those two guys at the top. And, you know, Max was banged up this year. I will certainly acknowledge he's not like, you know, maybe on the level of Strider right now in terms of like, you know, safety, however you want to put that. The last five years, since 2019, so five full seasons, Max Fried is 14th among pitchers in Major League Baseball and graphs War. That's pretty good. He's eighth in ERA. He is, I believe, yeah, he's, he's also 13th in FIP. Like he's been a top 15 pitcher in baseball for five years. So if you okay, put it out there. The Braves have let's just, let's be conservative, Scott. The Braves have two of the 20 best pitchers in baseball. That's a very conservative thing.
2: That I is think. very conservative. Yeah. So
1: we'll just say tw- we'll say 20 to be as safe as possible, right? That's a heck of a starting point in, in a 30 team league to have two of the top 20. Then not to do my whole bit as I always do, but Charlie Morton to what we know right now is an above average third starter that uh, that's not up for debate. I'm sorry if you don't believe me. Um, and yes, he has maybe some downside risk at his age, but with what we know right now, he is above average as a third starter. He's above average. Yeah.
2: Perfectly fine.
1: So, you know, how many teams have better, have, have a better top three than that. It's it's not a long list. And then their depth is not maybe incredible, but Lopez might be fun if he's involved. You know, Elder was pretty good for half the season. Like, anyway, uh, and to bring it full circle, I want to be very clear about this. You already said it very clearly on this podcast. I will say it now in, your, in, in support of you and in support of my own point, too. We still both believe the Braves should acquire another pitcher. We're not saying otherwise. Scott already said it. I'm saying it now, too. But if they didn't, for whatever reason, it would be fine. I really, I kind of, I kind of think it would be fine. Um, and look, I, I get that people want better than fine. And so do we, like, again, we want the Braves to sign another pitcher or sign or trade for another pitcher. But if they quote unquote had to go with this, or if they use their resources somewhere else or you know whatever, if they, you know, maybe they'll find a left fielder that they, 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 they want to splash on and just make the offense just even more absurd. And okay, I get that. Um, if they had to roll this group, I, I think that even after everybody signed Scott, and we'll kind of leave it here, I think. The Braves are probably going to be, if they don't add anybody, still probably projected to be a top 10 rotation, top eight rotation, something like that with nobody else. And that's not going to light your world on fire, but it's pretty good. It's not a weakness.
2: No. Yeah. I mean, the crazy part, and we're, we're expanding beyond the rotation here, but if at the winter meetings tomorrow, a memo came out that said opening day. Is actually on Tuesday. It's actually, Everyone, yeah, <laughs> get the boys together where we're playing on Tuesday. Braves, Braves could do nothing else, and I would bet they're winning ninety-five games. Which oh, is I mean, if that actually happened.
1: By the way, if that actually happened, it would benefit the Braves the most of anybody. I would
2: argue, huh. yeah, because probably. they
1: they have the because they have the most guys locked up. You know what I mean? They, uh, I'm pretty sure if if there was a ma- if there was a mandate for whatever reason, like you just said, the Braves would be probably even a bigger favorite to either have most wins or what, how do you want to say that? um, yeah. Then they would be now uh, because right. Cause they have more guys locked in. Like, you know, how many teams are in a position right now today that they could roll with what they have and be credible. The Very only, brave. the only spot, literally the only spot the Braves have what I would describe as like wild uncertainty would be left field because Vaughn's never played there. But look, if they had to play, the, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy if they had to play forest wall every day and bat him ninth, like <laughs> yeah. they could do that. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be, I wouldn't love that idea, but forest wall would go out there and catch the ball in that field and run and bat and bat ninth in a lineup that has six all-stars yeah, or seven all-stars. Like, Oh yeah. They there are, there it. are, there are worse things to do <laughs> that have to do that. So yeah, we're off the rails, but yeah, I, I do think that, you know, keeping all of that in mind, I thought it was a good question from John and it was a good reminder to me. I think it was to you from what you said that like, I think, the situation at starting pitcher is, I think, better than people realize that it is right now, even as we openly advocate for addition.
2: Yeah, it is. When we talk about projections, they are for the regular season. And yes. I think what so many people feel the reason they need to add another starting pitcher is not for the regular season, even if it would greatly help, but it is for the postseason and it is for a World Series. I very much want another World Series out of this incredible run. I'm sure everybody else does. And we could argue for hours on end whether or not the rotation has been the issue for the early exits the last two seasons. (laughs) But ultimately, man, give yourself as many good starting pitchers as you can possibly find and give yourself a chance to win it all. I think that's why we all feel they need to add another one. Maybe it's being greedy. It's certainly not a necessity based on just those projections that you laid out that have no bias and, you know, that they weigh every pitcher equally or, you know, fairly based on what projections are and, and lay it out and see where the cards lie. But, uh, yeah, man, just feels like maybe not a necessity by any means, but it would just be, it feels like a worthwhile addition for many reasons to go out and, and make this team even better in the rotation.
1: Yep, we are on the same page. And uh, we do have some more mailbag questions that we'll hold for another day because, uh, as often, Scott and I decided to go long because that's just what we do on this podcast. But I'm checking Twitter right now, Scott, to make sure we didn't miss any transactions. Um, not nothing yet. So if you're listening yeah. to this podcast on Monday morning, we are wrapping it up about 10 something PM Eastern time on Sunday night. We'll see if our streak continues of transactions happening on the following day or in the following hours. And if something does happen, we'll break in. Last time, two weeks ago, when you and I recorded, I ended up doing a uh, a solo emergency podcast talking about Ronaldo Lopez. Only, what, 12 hours later, something like that. So uh, it's, it might happen again. We'll see.
2: Very on brand. I believe uh, it wasn't us, but the podcast to be named later with Chris and Steven, I think they recorded and like two hours later was, oh man, was it the Aaron Bummer deal? Yeah, it was the I Aaron think? Bummer trade. I believe it was. the, um, car,
1: it was the car, Yeah, uh, No, it was Kyle Wright. Wasn't it Kyle Wright? Oh, remember. maybe
2: I mean, it was all that was all like within it was all
1: back to back. Yeah, one, it was one of those where uh, they got the treatment that we often
2: get. And I kind of made right. fun of Stephen and Chris behind the scenes because that usually happens to us. Two, um, yeah, two hours might be the all time record. Uh, usually you and I record on Sunday nights and then the the blue square comes it's across usually Monday Twitter morning on yeah. Monday morning. It's like, OK, well, we'll do a quick emergency or And that might, ha- that might
1: happen yeah. again. And look, folks, yeah. It's OK um please subscribe to the podcast that's the biggest thing if you're a new listener subscribe to the show because i promise you whether it's scott and me together whether it's one of us by ourselves whether it's sean whether it's steven whether it's chris we will react if it's a big deal especially we will react as fast as we possibly can um within a day we will have a podcast up if it's a major 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 move um within a few hours we'll have something even if it's a short quickie one like when i did two weeks ago with lopez was just me for 20 minutes but like you know it was something and uh we'll talk about it. So reviews appreciate it as well. Tell your friends about the podcast, Scott, where can folks find all of your musings on Arizona sports?
2: Thanks everybody for checking us out. We will do this again soon. I am at Scott Coleman 55 on Twitter slash X. Please also check out the site. We are in the full swing of every day. We have a couple of season in review articles going up. So a great opportunity to look back on the year that was of course, any news, rumors, uh, Bob Nightingale, things that, that, you know, Braves related, uh, any kind <laughs> of news we will, we will have on the site for better or worse. Uh, let's hope should be a fun week. Even if it's not brave stuff, I always really enjoy the winter meetings. I think most people do as well. It's a lot of fun for baseball. Let's hope some of this, uh, you know, the stove warms up a little bit and we get some moves across the league and it uh, should be a fun week ahead.
1: Yeah, you and I actually like baseball beyond the Braves as well, so that's uh, probably why we enjoy it even more than than some would. But lots going on, so please subscribe to the show. We're gonna get out of here before I start talking to Scott about the football playoff and all of what transpired there,
2: Uh, because
1: that that could be a a dangerous topic uh, on a podcast.
2: Rating spread
1: with Southeast uh, listenership, so we'll leave it there for now. That was, of course, the number one t- story of the day. But look, I'm just a Michigan fan that's just sitting here with a number one seed. So, am I going to talk a single bit of trash between now and New Year's Eve? No, no, I'm not because I expect to lose. But no. it's, it was fun to not have to worry today. As a Michigan fan, that was the pinnacle of my season was number one beating Ohio State and number two not having to worry today as the playoffs was, uh, was unfolded. So, anyway, we'll get off the podcast now, Scott. But thank you for being here, as always, my friend always fun to chat with you and uh for everybody else one more time please subscribe to the podcast and we'll see you all next time
0: Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to Vanta.com slash Vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot slash Vox for $1,000 off Vanta. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts.